Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio as we continue our studies in the book of Revelation. We're just getting launched in this study. We're looking at chapter 1, particularly verses 4 through 8. But again, just to summarize what the entire book of Revelation is about, we want to get the forest view of this book before we get into the trees, because the trees can sure confuse you if you don't have the forest view. And it's really not as complicated as perhaps some people might make it. Here's my summary. The book of Revelation is a circular letter about Christ's sovereign kingship in conflict with Caesar's kingship and the Roman Empire. The supreme conflict was over worship. In other words, who is Lord, who is the divine Lord, and thus is worthy of worship? And as I mentioned last time, and I'm probably going to mention again even before this broadcast is over, kingship and worship are two sides of the same coin. Is Jesus the divine king, or is Caesar? And I want to just give you a note that I am arguing rather strongly that the book of Revelation was written to seven historical churches in Asia Minor, what we would now call Southwest Turkey, towards the end of the first century. And that's the primary target audience of this book. But I want to be very clear even though I'm arguing strongly for a first-century interpretation of this book, the Apocalypse, I am not saying there is no application of this first-century truth to the 21st century. In fact, I'll be making applications. I'm going to try to make one today, but the applications could be striking. It's just wrong to try to jam newspaper headlines into the book of Revelation. No, we want to start with the book itself. What is the understanding, historical, cultural, and specifically the Old Testament background for the book, bring out its first century meaning, and then apply it to today? And the application isn't always easy, but that's part of the job we're going to try to be doing. So, any case, that this book of Revelation, and, and remember, you turn on the Prophecy TV, 98% of them will be holding their newspaper or show you a clip of a headline or a picture and basically jumping immediately to today. And again, I'm saying there is application for today, but you start with the first century. In Revelation chapter 1 and verse 4, John has his salutation, John, to the seven churches that are in Asia. The seven churches in Asia Minor, again, now southwest Turkey, those are the recipients of the entire book. Do you send letters to a friend? I guess nobody sends letters anymore, but do you send an email to a friend or a text and just have something that's totally out of the blue, maybe in another language and can't be at all understood by your friend? No, they think you're, you're a little off, maybe drunk or something. I mean, what's wrong with you? Well, 
if a, a young church was in danger from seduction within and persecution without, he's going to send a letter that has meaning, John, to the seven churches that are in Asia. Now, just in case you didn't get that, that was Revelation 1-4, drop to verse 11. Again, the first chapter. Write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum and to Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. So, two times in the first chapter, it says explicitly that this book of Revelation is addressed to these seven churches. Now, the rapture at any moment, folks, will say, yes, the first three chapters are addressed to these churches in Asia Minor, but starting in chapter 4 and verse 1, they claim the rapture occurs, and we'll be digging into that rather carefully. It's a false claim. But then basically the whole chunk of the middle of the book of Revelation doesn't have anything to say to these churches because the churches, at least the faithful in the churches, will be long gone. So it's really a nonsensical position. But just to show you that that way of handling the book of Revelation is so far off base you turn to the last chapter of the book of Revelation, and it's rather important. In chapter 22 and verse 16, Jesus says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to you with this testimony for the churches. The testimony is not for left-behind people. The testimony is not primarily for the nation Israel. The testimony is for the churches. Now, coupled with this was the point that I made last time, is that Jesus is identified in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5, Jesus Christ, the ruler of of the kings of the earth. And we're going to explain this in detail as we go through the book of Revelation, uh, as we get to chapter 20, a key chapter in the book of Revelation. But here it is. I've said numerous times as we've just launched this study in the book of Revelation, this letter is about Christ's sovereign kingship. And again, when you turn on Prophecy TV, 99% of them will say, oh, we believe in Christ's millennial kingdom, but that will happen seven years after the rapture. It will begin. And the rapture is sometime in the future and seven years after that. When in reality, Christ's kingdom began in the first century. Now, Catholics have a thing called Ascension Day, that it's not just the resurrection of Jesus, but the kind of complete his death, crucifixion, death, and resurrection. And there's a final part to that, ascension. The ascension is ascending to his throne. And Jesus introduces himself again in the first chapter, verse 9. I, John, your brother, who share with you in Jesus the tribulation and the kingdom, the kingdom. He's sharing with the first century believers the kingdom. It's 
perhaps the biggest mistake that's ever been made by biblical interpreters to say that Christ's kingdom is going to begin. Uh, we've already gone 2,000 years, and sometime yet in the future, uh, it's going to begin when it began 2,000 years ago. And then in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 13, and remember, we've already identified Jesus as the ruler of the kings of the earth. We've seen that John, the brother who shares with the believers the kingdom, that's chapter 1, verse 9. Then you go to chapter 1, verse 13, and this is the key to the whole book. And if you run past this and start with the newspaper and think the kingdom's future, you are not understanding the book of Revelation. But in any case, Revelation 1.13, there's a vision of Jesus, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man. This is hyper-important because Remember, I I shared with you that the way St. John deals with the Old Testament is to not kind of put a, uh, a quotation. Like the prophet Daniel said in chapter 7, quote, and then you have kind of a pull quote or something in quotation marks. No, it's embedded right within the sentence. The Son of Man is Jesus's favorite designation in the Gospels regarding himself. And the Son of Man identification of Jesus comes straight out of Daniel chapter 7. And how you could read Daniel chapter 7 and miss that Christ is king, well, I know how you do it because I did it for years because I was basically brainwashed. I was always, you know, as the rapture at the beginning of the tribulation, as the rapture at the end of the tribulation. Little did I know that both of those kind of popular positions swallow the notion that Christ's kingdom is yet sometime in the future. And so you're in this little minor debate and you miss the big picture. Daniel chapter 7 in verse 13 says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven. Remember, Jesus went up in the clouds as he ascended into heaven. We read in the book of Acts, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days. Daniel seven fourteen. hear it loud and clear. And to him was given dominion and glory and kingdom that all people's nations, and languages should serve him. All dominion, glory, and kingdom. His dominion, that's what a king has reign over, is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. His kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. And now I'd just like to share with you as we close from Daniel chapter 7, verse 17, you just drop down a little bit about the kingdom that's been given to Jesus. And we read in Daniel 7, 17, these are four great beasts, four world empires that will rise out of the earth. And when they're existing, and particularly in the first century, Rome looks like it would be the eternal kingdom. Uh-uh, it's going to pass away. It comes from below. It's fueled demonically. Sorry, some of those who go a little overboard in glorifying ancient Rome. But verse 18 says, But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom 
the saints of the Most High will receive the kingdom. This talking about the saints right after it's talking about the Son of Man receiving the kingdom. Flip back to Revelation chapter 1 and verse 6, the very verse right after it identifies Jesus as the ruler of the kings of the earth, and it says, and he made us a kingdom and priests to God his Father. He made us a kingdom. You know, St. Paul in chapter 1 of Ephesians prays that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened that you might know what is the hope to which he has called you, the immeasurable greatness of his power in this, immeasurable greatness. And why? Because he, he says in Ephesians 1.21, he's far above all rule, kingly rule, authority, power, and dominion. That's Ephesians 1. And you go to Ephesians 2, it says, and he has raised us up with him, and made us sit with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Where is Jesus sitting? Just turn to Revelation 4, and it says throne, 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 throne. Where are you seated? What are you doing during Mass and the prayers of the faithful? Don't you realize that from the control room of the universe, petitions go forth, are received by the king, that we are reigning with him, and his will then is done on earth? That's why the Catechism says in 1003, believers already truly participate in the heavenly life of the risen Christ. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.